Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast. It's Tuesday, September 27th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking Royals today, and we have a terrific guest. Former star columnist and best-selling author Joe Posnanski joined the group to discuss Royals and baseball. We talked about last week's firing of Dayton Moore and the elevation of J.J. Piccolo, what the future could hold for the Royals, and some happenings around baseball. We had a few laughs remembering when Albert Pujols, who played at Fort Osage High and just hit his 700th career home run, was a member of the Stars' All-Metro second team. Beat writer Lynn Worthy and columnists Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell were part of the conversation with Joe that started as a Sports Beat Live. Let's get started. Good morning from sunny Kansas City and welcome to Sports Beat Live, our weekly conversation about the Kansas City Royals, where we talk baseball and Royals with the folks in the media who know them best and with you. And today, when I say the folks in the media who know them best, I really, really mean it. I always mean it. But uh, we've got uh, uh, we got Joe Posnanski in the house. And Joe, it is it's great to see you. Um, uh, thanks so much for joining us. And let me introduce quickly, Sam McDowell, Vahe Gregorian, and Lynn Worthy are here, as they are every Tuesday morning. And um, Joe, the reason we have you on today, we, of course, want to talk Royals and baseball, but you're going to be in the Kansas City area this weekend. And uh, I've, got the, I've got the flyer right here, if you can see it. Um, Joe is going to be speaking at the... Um, uh, let's see, at the Indian Creek Library in Olathe on Saturday at, uh, I believe it's, a, do I say 5.30? Am I right about that, uh, I, I, I don't. I, no, I, I know you have I no have idea. No clue. What They they just tell me to get there and then and I'll be there. That's, that's all I know. All right. I just read the invitation more closely. 6 p.m., Joe's going to be at the Indian Creek Library in Olathe. And, of course, that is between Black Bob and Merlin on 135th Street. Uh, in in Olathe, so not too far from the Big O Tires, where uh, we've once uh, talked about the Chiefs on on a, on a show like this. So uh, tickets are seventy five dollars. Well worth it to hear Joe. Joe, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I I have to tell you, I I thought the the music leading into this was very jazzy. I I thought it was very very jazzy and and cool. Uh, I'm doing great. It's so great to see all of you. It's uh, it's uh, I'm excited to be coming back to Kansas City. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do or say or anything, but uh, but I know it's going to be uh, it's going to be a tremendous amount of fun. I'm glad you have your handlers, Joe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> By handlers, if you mean uh, my wife, who, who sets all of it up for me, I, you're, you're, you're right. Um, no, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. I've actually spoken at the. Uh, at the library before and uh they were very very kind in inviting me back and and uh you know i'll see if i can find out something else to say this time so it, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun and as usual i i uh omitted parts of the introduction for joe and it's maybe it's because um we knew Joe before he was a best-selling author <laughs> and uh and, and before he wrote uh the, the, uh, not the soul of baseball. We were all here for that because uh, you were here at the star, Joe, when, when you wrote the soul of baseball, touring the country with, with Buck O'Neill, 
Uh, Joe was at the Star as a columnist from 1996 until 2009. And of course, his um, you know his his magnum opus, of course, uh, uh, the Baseball 100 that reached number one on the New York Times bestseller list. So, not too shabby, not too shabby, Joe. Uh, can't believe it, Blair. Uh, how far we've come. I, I cannot even fathom uh, where where this thing began and and uh, how far we've come. But uh, you know, it, it's it, nothing else matters. The only thing that matters was was our time in Kansas City and uh, and how much fun we had and uh, and how terrible terrible the Royals were in those days. And and uh, that was really you know and the Chiefs were were heartbreakers every year and and the Royals were just flat out terrible. And, and that was basically my entire career, as you know, in Kansas city. And then I left and, and Vahe stepped in and, and Sam stepped in and, and suddenly the Royals are win the world series and the chiefs are the greatest team ever. And the, yeah, everything happened after I left, which is uh, still crushing to me. Absolutely crushing to me. Joe, wasn't the the first time you didn't predict the Royals to win the World Series 2014 and 2015? <laughs> I I think I did predict them to win the World Series anyway. I, I'm I'm one thing I am very proud of is that in 2011 I wrote a Sports Illustrated uh, story, big Sports Illustrated story about uh, how the Royals were going to win the World Series in 2015. That was when they were. Still terrible, but they had the great minor league system, and and all of those guys, uh, Hosmer and 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 company, were all uh, coming up, and and so I wrote in in SI uh, that in fact I wrote it as if I was writing from the future, and 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 uh, talking about this glorious Royals past that actually ended up happening, although it, it probably didn't last as long as uh, as any of us would have liked, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it really is, you know. And now, I mean, I'm I'm sure we'll talk about this, but I mean, here, you know, you have a the the real end of an era with uh, with Dayton Moore, uh, you know, being uh, uh, whatever it is pushed out or whatever you want to say about it, and and it really is the end of a of a long era that goes back uh, 16 years to my days in Kansas City. Yeah, we haven't had a chance to talk about that uh, because the show runs on Tuesday, and I believe it was the next day. It was on a Wednesday uh, that uh, the Dayton Moore was was fired, and and JJ Piccolo was elevated. Let's get right right into that, um, uh, guys. Uh, what uh, uh, the reaction in Kansas City uh, was that uh, I, I don't know. I those who knew Dayton like like we all know Dayton were very sad for him. And those of us who have followed the Royals, like we all follow the Royals, I think believe change needed to happen at some level uh, at some point based on on this season. And and Sam, you, you got into it in a, you know, in a big way in, in your column the next day. And just give us a uh, just take us back to last week and, and, and how you felt about it and, and, and why it happened. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that what we learned most about that, because you mentioned it, Blair, we all knew um, the evolution of, of the Royals under Dayton Moore. And so, uh, you know, a lot of that was recapped, of course, during a press conference like that. But I think what we got more insight on was John Sherman as an owner. You know, it's his first big move in three years as an owner. 
And I think we learned that he's in, more involved in the baseball side of it than probably we had expected because his reasoning as he cited this change was things like we need to be more data driven was one of his quotes. He said data has to be more prominent in the decisions we make. And, you know, we asked for specifics on that. And a lot of times at a news conference like that, it stays broad, it stays general. And he offered specifics and said, you know, when um, I'm talking transactions with, with my general manager, you know, the anecdotes are great, but I want, I want to know the data underneath it. And he, because of that, he wants to be more transactional. Um, and so the question I think that the Royals are going to have to be more clear on now is exactly how is J.J. Piccolo different? Because I think a lot of the fans are thinking, well, this guy was dating Moore's right-hand man, and they're right. Um, those of us who chat with both of those guys know that there is a difference in personality, but we've yet to see exactly what the difference in operations will be. And, you know, huge offseason with the Royals, particularly on the pitching side. And, you know, I think we're going to get those answers sooner rather than later. But I also think it's going to be important for them to communicate those answers as well. I'm also I'm also curious, and maybe this is shifting the conversation too much, but one of the things as we reflect on Dayton Moore's um, era in Kansas City is the very beginning of it. Because when he took over, and this is what I've just wanted to ask Joe, but when he took over, I mean, it was just unthinkable that the Royals would ever win a World Series. And Dayton Moore accomplished that. And I think some of the ways he accomplished that flew under the radar a little bit as far as convincing ownership to spend in certain areas that they had never spent before. Um, so I was kind of curious, since we have Joe on here, what he remembers about those early years of, of Dayton Moore. Wow. Um, yeah, I remember a lot, uh, obviously. You know, one thing I would say about uh, – well, there are a couple of things I'd say. First of all, I think – and and by the way, I think J.J. Piccolo is one of these – he's another one of my favorite people in, in, in all of baseball. I love the guy. I've, I've known him, obviously, since he, he first came uh, to Kansas City with Dayton. And, and uh, I think the world of him, I think he's going to do a great job. I'm thrilled – that that uh, rather than just completely starting over, they they're they're giving this to, to to JJ and letting him run with it. I think that's great. But there is an irony here, and the irony is that I've been pushing for JJ to become a general manager of baseball for a long time. I, I feel like he's been wildly overlooked, particularly by his hometown uh, Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, you know, had multiple chances to hire him and and did not, and and I thought it was a big mistake. And the irony is. The reason they didn't hire him, I think, a lot because they didn't think he was data driven enough. I mean, it, it's really kind of funny to think that now, you know, he's going to lead this data driven organization when that was exactly the knock on him. Uh, unfair knock, I thought, but still the knock on him uh, for all those years. Um, you know, with the early years with Dayton, it's it's in people will never remember. You know, one thing that really bothers me. I mean, look, I think. The Royals did what they had to do. Dayton's been there a very long time. Uh, I think a new start is a, is a, a, a smart move. You have a new owner. I think John is is a is a terrific guy and, and a guy who wants to win. And I, I totally understand the move. I totally understand why they did it. But one thing that really bothers me is I wrote this, this piece about how much I admire Dayton more. And I heard from a lot of people who said something to the effect of, you know what? He just got lucky. The, the, the only reason they won it all was because they got lucky. The league was down. Uh, a couple of good things happened for them. They weren't that good. They had that great playoff run, blah, 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 which is 
which is horrendous. It's a horrendous take on that. What what Dayton Moore did in Kansas City, you you can you can say that he didn't keep it together long enough. You can say that he 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 failed to rebuild the team afterward. All of those things are fair, but that team it was not you know and and, and Blair uh, was with me during that whole time. He he will remember all of this. They were a laughing stock. I mean, when he stepped in, not only were they the you know spend no money, the organization was a joke. Uh, it was, you know, the, the, there was there was he had to hire dozens and dozens of people to jobs that simply didn't exist before uh, in Kansas City. Everybody else had them, uh, but the Royals refused to spend any money on those things. It was it was incredibly, incredibly sparse. I can remember him coming in and and like one of the first things he did was like create a special section for scouts to sit in. There was there was no place for scouts to sit at the ball game, and he was like, no, we have to have a we have to have a place for scouts to watch games. This is ridiculous. It was, it was, it was terrible. And he stepped in and and really through sheer will and 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 you know the force of his personality and the force of his belief, you know, brought this team back. And then and then you know things happened. And he was he was incredibly aggressive when he needed to be. When that team was close to winning. He made moves that were at the time uh, questioned. And the, the, one of those moves brought them Wade Davis, who I think was as important as anybody, uh, you know, in their in their run. Uh, he he brought in people, you know, during the season uh, to to help them win. Uh, he I thought he was just a tremendous, tremendous general manager. Um, you know, when when the moment was right and he knew that the team had a chance to win, uh, he was incredibly aggressive. And uh, and I thought he just did a, a great job. And, and I don't know that anybody else could have done it. You know, I mean, the, it, now it's different. The, the Royals are a different place. The game is in a different place. But you look at the Royals from 2004 to 2009, you know, and those include some early years of Dayton's. Um, they were a laughingstock across baseball. Everybody thought they were a joke. And, and he completely turned that around, turned them into a, a class organization with the best minor league system in baseball. And, and uh, he deserves all the credit for that. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, think of uh, uh, the movie Moneyball in the Oakland A's when Billy Bean got there and, and the, all the cheap things that were going on in the, in, in that uh, time period, that was the Royals yeah. in that that stretch that, that Joe mentions. Hey, let, let's do this um, before we get too far. Uh, let's let's hear from our sponsor, University of Kansas Health System. But before we do, we're going to play the um, the video of John Sherman's announcement uh, of of the news last Wednesday and Dayton Moore coming to the mic. This will last about uh, about a minute and ten seconds, and then you'll hear from the University of Kansas Health System.
March 4th, 2015, I got out of the shower and felt a lump in my left breast. We were able to quickly uncover that she had two subtypes of breast cancer, each of them requiring separate and unique treatment plans. This is why you come to the University of Kansas Cancer Center. It is critical to be treated by a team of experts in that specific cancer type. If you don't start with us, I think you'll have more questions than answers. Why would you go anywhere else? Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. I think that flashed us between Dayton uh, Moore and, and the commercials bonus coverage from from us that's the way I, I, I want to look at it so um look that was that was pretty darn gracious on Dayton Moore's part and I remember thinking as I was sitting there that how many how many teams how many markets would have the outgoing uh VP of baseball ops uh come to the microphone and make a sort of a farewell statement wishing everybody you know good luck and uh I, I just thought that was a, a very nice moment uh by, by, by Dayton Moore. And so, um, look, uh, on, on Saturday, J.J. Piccolo met the media and had his first sit down. And Lynn, you were there for that. And I, I'm just wondering what what you heard from from J.J. And what were the what were the, the, the bullet points uh, from from that press conference? Well, uh, first, just to underscore some of what Joe was saying, and I went back to last year when we had the press conference. They elevated Dayton and um, JJ at the time, the numbers that Dayton cited of the baseball operations department when he took over was roughly about 85 staff members, including like the manage the coaching staff at the major league level and the front office. And last year when they made that change, the number that he estimated was right, right around 260, uh, 265, 270, something like that in the period of time. And that's still a growing department. And some people might say, you know, they need to bulk up in certain areas. So um, just to underscore some of what Joe was saying. Um, and Dayton on, I mean, uh, JJ on Saturday, um, you know, his first thing was just talking about sort of the impact that Dayton had. And I mean, even the day that the announcement came down, you sort of felt that. I know Vahe, you know, wrote about sort of the impact. And we were talking to some of the guys that day. It was um, it's kind of weird, the you know, in the clubhouse, it was almost like um, the only thing, and obviously it's a professional setting, you know, it's different than life and death, but the the feeling was almost like a loss. <laughs> it was, that's the, the vibe that was there in the clubhouse. And even talking to, you know, in the coming days with some of the people who've, you know, worked with Dayton for, you know, more than a decade and a half, it was this loss, um, you know, like is it though they lost somebody, you know, a family member or something like that. That was sort of the, the, the vibe that you got. Um, but again, adding to the weirdness of it is that, you know, the person who took over had been there throughout this whole thing in JJ. Um, and so you could tell, um, 
you know, like Sam mentioned, how is JJ going to be different? I think we saw the first part of that actually this year with how JJ was doing a lot of the management of the, the major league roster. Um, we talked, uh, I think, in the past about some of the turnover that we've seen. And he on Saturday tried to say, well, you know, it, he didn't want to say that that's going to be the norm, that they're going to turn things over on a rapid basis. But at the same time, the, you know, what we saw this year from the beginning of the season to through the trade deadline, the, the amount of turnover they've had with the the 40-man roster, the major league roster, um, talking about guys who were there at the beginning of the season, whether that's with Mirafield, Andrew Benintendi, Carlos Santana, and then guys who came in for short bursts that, you know, you forget about, whether that's an Albert Abreu or Domingo Tapia, um, you know, guys like Matt Peacock. I mean, like this, this has already started in this year with JJ's management of the major league roster, then making moves like the trade of the draft pick to get um, Drew Waters and, and, and them acquiring guys. Um, so I think we're already starting to see it. Um, how much, you know, more that happens. I mean, it'd be interesting because, you know, uh, John Sherman was funny to me. He said, well, I don't want to use the term churn because we're talking about, you know, athletes and people here, but I think that is what he's, you know, the examples that he cited when you say Tampa Bay and, and some of these places, they, they churn that roster over. That's, that's what they're, they're talking about. That's what they do. Um, and so JJ tried, you know, of course, talked about Dayton and how much impact he had and what they've learned from him, but also that it's going to be different. Like there's, it's, he's not, you know, he used the, the actual phrase, I'm not J, uh, I'm not, you know, Dayton Moore. Um, and that's, that's clear. And I think his track record just in this last year is clear with that, but how they go forward, data driven decision. I think there's going to be changes. He, he didn't commit to the major league coaches staff. You know, we asked about my Matheny and I think he said, you know, we haven't made any decision on any of the coaches. So, I mean, even if Matheny comes back, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they, they make changes to that staff and he'll, he'll be the one who heads that because the, you know, going back to May, um, Terry Bradshaw's dismissal, that was a JJ Piccolo move. That was JJ who made that call to do it at that time. Um, so we're, we're going to see a lot of, I think change. It's just a matter of, um, how fast and how regularly it's going to be, but I think it's going to, there's no doubt there's going to be a different, different vibe, a different approach. Um, they're going to, they, and you know, the data driven, I mean, he's talked in the past about, you know, with the minor leagues trying to get more data driven. He was on with us last week talking about that and how they want need to do that with the pitching department. So uh, there's going to be a difference. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds. Um, I think, uh, people who think it's just going to be more of the same, um, I don't, I don't see that at all. So golf season's not going to start for you, Lynn, uh, right after this, right after the uh, game 162, uh, there, there will be news, news to cover. Joe, how, how did the Royals look from afar? I mean, we're, we're with them every day, right. And uh, watch them every night. And uh, that's, that's not the case for you, but I just wonder what your impressions were of the way this season unfolded for them. Well, I, first of all, I think I think Lynn has, has got it exactly right. I, uh, to me, at this point, uh, if you're if you're going to let Dayton Moore go, um, you're saying you want complete change. I I, I would actually be very surprised if uh, Mike Matini was brought back as manager. I, I just think it's you're starting over. I mean, you you are definitely saying, hey, we are we are a different organization, and and honestly when you like leave leftovers from previous organizations, it doesn't, it gets in the way. It doesn't, you know, it's like, what you, why, 
why bring back Dayton's manager and and have him like you know how good are the Royals really going to be next year? What are you going to fire him mid season if they're not good? I mean, it doesn't. All of those sorts of things seem to me to be uh, just get in the way. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna do it. You're gonna do it. Pull the bandaid off and and let uh, let uh, let him go. And and look, I think. To be fair to JJ, who I think is a again, I I think the world of him. I think he's a great baseball man. He's been even this last year, whatever changes he was able to make, it still was under the big umbrella of Dayton. And and we have to understand, Dayton was not just a a longtime friend. Dayton coached JJ in college. I mean, you know, like Dayton is is been JJ's mentor for good and bad for for you know, almost 20 years. And, and so if he's going to do it and he's going to do it on his own, I don't think he needs uh, Dayton more over his shoulder. He needs to be able to just say, okay, this is, this is the organization the way I see it needs to be. And it needs to go. I think from afar, I think a lot of people were surprised that honestly, it's funny from within how people view it and from the outside, from the outside, I think people were like, why did it take so long? To, to, to get rid of him. I mean, honestly, it's it's like, yeah, he won a World Series, blah, 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 but that was a few years ago. And and you look at his overall record, and what is it? Like, it's three winning seasons in 16 years. And, and so that's how I think people from the outside view it. But I don't think people from the outside have the perspective that they need to have. I mean, to see him build the organization the way he did – and then, you know, I, I think what's happened the last few years is kind of a natural fall for the Royals. It's not like the Royals can, are, were going to be able to replace those great players with, with other great players. They weren't going to spend money to do that. They weren't going to go out and get free agents uh, of, any, of any quality. And, and they weren't able to draft very high during those years. They were good. So, so you know, you have those years, and, and maybe it's taken a little bit longer, but I don't think there's anything that has happened that should surprise anybody inside Kansas City. But from the outside, it's like, yeah, of course he's going to get fired. The team has lost 100 games, what, three of the last four years or whatever it is. And, and uh, it's time for change. And I can't believe that guy is still there. I mean, you know, like that's, that's how it's viewed from the outside, but that's how people from the outside in you know, in Kansas city, when they see other teams, that's how they view them. You know, it's, it's nobody really understands it except for you guys who are there with them every day and, and can really, you know, get a hold of, of, of what this actually means, you know? I like to think people in Kansas City look at the rest of baseball and say, "Well, why don't they give that manager just a little more time?" You know, it's, uh, you know that organization. Yeah, here we we hang on to our to, to our uh, coaches and managers and front office people. We just tend to do that. So, um, which is why it was such big news here. It really was. It was. It was. Uh, um, you know, every every media member was out at the at the press conference last week at, at a you know what it was called just a couple hours before it, it actually occurred. Um, all right, Joe, we can't let you go without talking some some baseball that uh, that, that doesn't touch Kansas City. Um, okay. there, there's some stuff going on. Um, what do you? Uh, how about a how about a quick thought on uh, American League MVP? Is it? It's now it's two candidates. Um, yes. And, and, and the reigning MVP is having a better season than he did uh, when he won the MVP last year, Shone Otani, but he ain't winning it this year, is he? No, no, no. It's going to be, yeah. I mean, Aaron Judge is having not just a, not, I actually just finished writing about him for my, uh, 
for my newsletter. Um, he's he's having not just a great year, but an all time year, and and not just because of the home runs. I mean, he's going to break the American League record probably over the next few days, and and he's got sixty already, and and that's what everybody's talking about, and what's the real home run record, and blah blah blah, all that stuff. But he's he's having a year that's he's having a better year than Mike Trout's ever had. He's having a better year than Albert Pujols has ever had. Uh, he's doing things that Barry Bonds never did. I mean, he is going to lead if he if he leads the league in batting. That's the one thing that's still very much up in the air. He's hitting three fourteen. There are a couple of guys hitting three thirteen. But if he leads the league in batting, he will lead the league in in batting average, on base percentage, slugging percentage, and home runs. And that only 13 other players in baseball history have ever done that. And the last one to do it was Carl Yastrzemski in 1967. So you're talking about an all-time season. And, you know, the thing about Otani is, and I said this last year when he won it, um, he's the MVP every year if if you look at it a certain way. He's always – because there's – no matter what, he could hit 100 home runs. And people would still say, yeah, but what's his ERA, right? I mean, there's there's no argument you can make against what Shohei Otani's doing because nobody else is doing it. He's he's in a category all by himself, and I just think he should win the Shohei Otani Award every year. I, I, he's not – like the MVP award is like a separate thing. It's like for, for mere mortals, and then there's the Shohei Otani Award for the guy who is top 10 in the league in, in – homers, RBIs, uh, wins, ERA. I mean, it's it's a joke. It's an absolute joke what he's doing. So, yeah, I give the MVP to, to, to judge, not because uh, uh, they're winning or because of anything like that, but because um, he's having an all-time year. I mean, an absolute all-time year. And we should also talk about, uh, because, uh, Blair, you were, you were there uh, in Kansas City, I, I think, uh, the rest of you guys are a little young, except for Vahe, uh, who was in St. Louis at the time. Um, number 700 for Albert Pujols, the 700th home run for Albert Pujols. And Blair and I are old enough to remember when Albert Pujols finished uh, second team All-Metro in Kansas City, uh, which is uh, will always go down as among our favorite memories of, of Kansas City baseball. It was just defense. <laughs> You got to be a little bit better, better defense over there at first base. So. You got to play defense. You got you're going to make the all metro team. You got to play defense, right? So, um, yeah, but wow, I mean, there's there's to me uh, as great a story as Otani is, a great a story as as Judge is. To me, the most emotional story of the year is is sort of the return of Albert and and uh, and you know him putting on the St. Louis uniform and finding some part of his youth. I mean, it's. That's been a, an amazing thing to watch all year. I, I shared this story with Vahe on our trip to uh, to Indy over the weekend, but I actually saw Pujols play in high school. Um, wanted to see a second team All-Metro player in person. <laughs> and uh, so I'm playing the Wood Bat Tournament over in Blue Springs uh, for American Legion Baseball. And first at bat that they walked him, um, second at bat, he's up with the bases loaded and the manager comes out, manager, pitching coach. I don't know who it was, but you could tell the conversation was, I get it. The bases are loaded, but we're still not pitching to this guy. <laughs> and at that point he was playing shortstop as well, but he, uh, first two pitches are curveballs that are 50 footers in the dirt 
third pitch is a fastball that's about six inches off the ground, and he golfs it over the center field fence <laughs> for a grand slam. And we're standing next to Scott's. I think it was about 10 years old or so. And um, and the scouts were talking about, you know, God, we should take this guy in the first round. And, of course, I had never been around a scout. I'm kind of thinking, well, this guy's going to be a first rounder. Can't wait to see where he goes. And then all of a sudden he's a 13th round pick. And I understand there's some other, you know, money, financial stuff in play there. But um, at that time I'm thinking, wow, I can't believe there's, you know, what whatever that would be. 350 baseball players out there that were better than that that guy I saw over the summer, and it turns out there weren't 350 uh, better players than that guy that year. No, I I remember, and, and Vahe might remember this as well. Uh, so he spent one year in the minor leagues after being a 13th round pick by the Cardinals, and then he comes to spring training uh, for the Cardinals. And I remember uh, this very vividly. I was at, I think I was with Vahe. I think we were covering a. Uh, Missouri in the uh, in the tournament at that point and Bernie Miklas who is the columnist in St. Louis calls me on the phone and he says you need to leave there and come down to spring training right now because this was his first spring training he's like your boy Albert and I didn't even know like who was he talking about like oh oh Pujols yeah uh this guy like like they're already talking about him like he's going to go into the hall of fame this was like two weeks into spring training, his very first spring training. Uh, and, and, and Bernie was like, you got to get down here. This guy is, is, it's unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. And Tony LaRusse is, you know, saying he's the greatest player he's ever seen already. I mean, it was incredible. That was one year out of, you know, him being drafted. So yeah, the scouts, the scouts might've missed on that one. That might've been a miss. By the way, just a little little trivia. I got looking up some stuff. Anybody come up with the name of who, the first team uh, All Metro shortstop that year? Anybody? It was Ryan Stegall? Maybe it's Stegall. Sure. Uh, yes. Coach at Liberty North. He's a coach up in Missouri. He's a head coach up in uh, Liberty now. Yeah, correct. And uh, our our uh, dear Liberty former North. dear former colleague uh, Sam Mellinger, I guess, reached him a couple years ago and talked to him about this and. Ryan said, yeah, I guess I'll always have that over Albert. <laughs> it's like the guy who – I don't remember the guy's name, but the guy who beat out Michael Jordan for, for the final spot. <laughs> yeah. it, I would – I would not only would I be proud of that, I'd make T-shirts made uh, of, you know, I beat out uh, Albert Pujols. I, I, would, uh, I would cherish that for the rest of my life. I just wonder if Albert has his – Second team all Metro certificate framed. In the, <laughs> the, the thing about Albert is he probably does have it framed and he probably just stares at it every single day. It's the thing that's driving him still. He was to this day. spurred by the, his whole career was made by the Kansas City Star, is what you're by saying. David Boyce, that's right. David Boyce made Albert Pools. David Boyce made Albert Pools, exactly right. <laughs> oh. Hey, look, we could uh, we could go on for a while, but um, but it's it's time to it's time to bail. Uh, Joe, great great conversation. And listen, if you want to continue to hear Joe, you can do that Saturday at the Olathe. It's not the Olathe, the Cedar Creek Library in Olathe on 135th Street at six o'clock. So Joe knows when to be there. Sure. And um, uh, seventy five bucks a ticket. So uh, just check it out. It's going to be so much fun. And uh, Joe, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, great to talk to you as always. It's fabulous. And always great to see Vahe Gregorian, Sam McDowell, and Lynn Worthy. And our producer is Monty Davis.
uh, sponsors the University of Kansas Health System. We will not many of these left. Uh, uh, nine games left in the regular season for the Royals. Well, the only season for the Royals. And uh, they, they're playing at Detroit and at Cleveland, six in Cleveland uh, to, end, to end the season. Uh, but we'll be back next Tuesday talking Royals. And, Scott, I promise we'll get to that question next week if there's a change at, uh, at managerial uh, position for the Royals, who candidates might be. We will absolutely talk about that next week. Okay, guys, have a great day, and we'll talk to you again soon. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, George Howard, and Jeff Rosen. A big salute to Joe Posnanski. He'll be in Olathe on Saturday to talk baseball. The program will take place at the Indian Creek Library at 6 p.m. Go to olathalibrary.org slash a taste of literacy for more information. Once again, olathalibrary.org slash a taste of literacy for more information. Also, Morning Sports Edition, biggest daily sports section in the country. Read it and you'll know what I mean. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com for more information. Hey, thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC.